Hey, thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. The greatest miracle of all time was when God raised Jesus from the dead. And today we celebrate the resurrection of our risen Savior. And I showed you that documentary because uh, my prayer is that God um, would do a work in our lives and that we would see miracles uh, in this season like never before. And so uh, if you want to go, that's just a gift to you. If you want to go and just watch, uh, there's a 35-minute document- documentary where uh, my siblings and spouses and our parents and grandkids just tell the story of God healing uh, my dad. Uh, and we just wanted to have that for you. And so that's just for our church because all of you prayed and uh, that was something that we as a church walked through together and experienced together. And my dream is, is that we would celebrate today the miracle of the resurrection. And then that we would also look at in our midst a miracle of God healing. And that we would go into a season of not only celebrating miracles, but praying for them. And that we would walk into a season of experiencing the miracles of God. And my prayer is for you, that whatever miracle you are praying for, that your faith would be strengthened today and that you would leave here with greater renewed resolution to believe God for miracles. So I want us to look today at the life of Mary Magdalene because she has an encounter with Jesus after the resurrection. And it's a a miracle that she experiences. But not only does she experience the miracle of Jesus' resurrection, but she actually had been delivered from seven demons. And so she had experienced Jesus setting her free. So she had experienced her own miracle. And then in addition to that, she experienced just the miracle of salvation. She experienced the fact that Jesus saved her. And so I want us to talk through those ideas today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go Mark chapter 16. I'm going to read that, then I'm going to pray. We're going to dive into talking about miracles today. Mark chapter 16 says this. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first. Just interesting. Mark adds that. I'm going to hit all four gospels today, but just intriguing that Mark adds he appeared first. I just like that word first. I just think it's interesting. No matter what your story is, how messed up, broken, weak, you feel like you are. Interesting that the story of Mary Magdalene was a really broken lady that Jesus saved, that Jesus healed. And the first person that gets to have a conversation with the resurrected Savior is Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. So my title today is this, He Still Does Miracles. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. And God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for every single person that's here in the room and online. And we thank you for the resurrected Savior. We thank you for Jesus, our King. We thank you that God raised him from the dead. And Lord Jesus, we ask, Lord, that today, God, that we would, in the present tense, in 2021, be a people that celebrate miracles and see miracles. We thank you for what you're going to do. We honor you and we love you. And all of Radiant Church said amen. Amen. So who are the best candidates to experience a miracle? Who are the best candidates to experience a miracle? I think most of the time, most of us would say somebody who goes to church a lot, somebody who's born in the right family, 
Somebody who maybe reads their Bible so much. Somebody who's got great behavior. I think, though, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see Jesus entering into the world of people that are broken and hurting. We see Jesus, Matthew 8, he goes to a centurion, a Roman, and Jesus heals a servant. Jesus healed lepers. Jesus, I see Jesus have compassion to the people that are the most on the outskirts, the most outsider, the people that don't have their lives all together. In fact, you could say that the greatest candidates for a miracle were the people who were facing an impossible situation. And so maybe today you're online or in the room and you look at your life and you would say, I'm facing an impossible situation. That's what took place with our family. In November, my dad uh, went to the hospital and over the course of 25 days, it, we had some ups and some downs, but we got down towards the end where it seemed as if we were going to lose him. And we had been spending each night in prayer uh, together on Zoom. So we'd just log on, and he had his iPhone in the hospital, and we'd all pray together. And some nights you had big faith, and some nights you didn't feel a thing. And there were the, the thoughts and the, the, the fear just going on. But just with that kind of bedrock resolution, we're going to keep asking God for a miracle for Dad. And then on December 10th, pretty amazing story, but they took him out of the COVID unit, and my mom went in. We thought it was quite probable that it was his last 24 hours. And, and the, the doctor called his healing a miracle. So that's not just like the Christian saying it. The doctor right there said this to my parents' face. This is a miracle. It's interesting because that's kind of amazing to hear after what we had heard was that our family was living in denial. From the doctors, family's not facing reality. And that's really a challenging moment because you go, okay, yes, it's true that there's this hard circumstance, and it is true that he is this sick, and yet it is also true that our God is a healer. At the exact same time, it is true that we read stories of Jesus healing, and we believe wholeheartedly that he is the miracle-working God in the first century, and he's the miracle-working God in the 21st century. And so we just continued to pray. And the doctor said, hey, the only way that your dad will ever leave this house is if you build a hospital around his house. But we recorded that documentary in my dad's house. And we saw God heal him. The nurse came in and turned his oxygen down from 60 to 50 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10. And he walked out of the hospital and he's actually seated on the front row today. Dad, you want to stand real quick? I just think it's a celebration moment to celebrate Jesus who rose from the dead and hasn't stopped doing miracles. He's still doing miracles. The power of God is still real and alive and active today. I just want you to see this crucifixion moment because I'm going to read out of, some, out of three different kind of stories about Mary, but I want you to just see even the way Matthew tells the story. Before we go to the famous Matthew 28 text that has like my old school famous Easter song. And I have sung that song every Easter since we started this church. And I can promise you it will happen again today. Yes. Woo, come on. 
Just as he said, hurry now, go tell his disciples that Jesus Christ is no longer dead. Anyway, that's coming. Um, Matthew 27, but I want you to see what Matthew says here. It says this, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So this symbolized in the temple that the curtain torn mean now relationship between man and God. And so this was, that was a miracle. Curtain ripped. Miracle. The earth shook. Miracle. The rocks split. And the tombs broke open. Scary, but miracle. The bodies of many holy people who had died and were raised to life, they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. I've been going to church my whole life. Haven't heard a whole lot of sermons on that one. Uh, That's a wild story. Like, just picture that historical moment. Like, you're seeing people that been gone a while. Like, where you been? You know, like, Anyway, verse 54, when the centurion and those, who were, uh, and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, the miracle, and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. So Roman centurion experiences earthquake, miracle, what's happening? Response is, I know we are foreign and we've come in and invaded and these are the Jewish people and this is the guy that they are like having an issue with, but all I'm doing is I'm a soldier here, but wow, I experienced this miracle and surely he was the son of God. Another way you could say it is, ay, 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 ay. Are you kidding me? And I just want you to see that the power of God working in that moment caused people to have a jaw drop and say, Surely, surely he must be the son of God. And I believe that if we as a church experience and see and watch and tell the story and know of God at work, the power of God in our midst, then a watching world will say, surely Jesus is the son of God. My dad, when he tells the story, uh, so I'm a triplet. Um, For those of you that don't know what that is, it's the equivalent of being born in a litter. And, uh, <laughs> but um, my parents in 1976 had the shock of their lives where they had David, Dana, and Deborah, and then my younger brother, Dan. My mom's name is Debbie. My dad's name is Hal. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but my dad uh, loves to tell this story of God healing him. But every time he tells the story, my dad has a very quiet voice. So he talks really quietly. And so most of the time when I was growing up, my friends would get grounded for doing something wrong. They would sometimes, when I was younger, be spanked. My dad didn't do any of those things. My dad just talked with this voice for seven hours. <laughs> and what you did wrong. Do you understand? What do you think Jesus thinks about what you did? That's for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you. So my dad, when he tells this story, he talks very quietly. Talks quiet, and he says, "So I, I, I was on oxygen." Pow! And he says, "God healed me." And my quiet father talks about the power of God every time by taking this fist, hitting this hand, and the quiet seventy-five-year-old preacher goes, "Pow!" like that. And here's my dream for us: that you and I would have pow stories more and more. 
that we would not just embrace the celebration of a miracle, but we would embrace the love, the devotion, the all-in following of the God who brings supernatural power to his church when we humbly come before him and ask and seek and knock and believe that he heals. My prayer for you today is that you would have a face-to-face encounter, like an experience with Jesus, an experience with Easter. So you don't need an experience with a great church. This is a fun church. It's just getting started. We're brand new. We've got really cool, like, hipsters out here taking pictures, and uh, we got a couple signs up. We got a great worship team. We got two drummers, baby. All right? Like, yeah, come on now. Like, this is, but you don't need an experience with a church. This is a great holiday. I mean, you've got the greatest city on planet Earth right here in Kansas City, and we've got the best barbecue in the world, and it's 70-something degrees out today, and there's going to be Easter egg hunts and people eating, I don't know what you eat on Easter, (laughs) ham? I don't know. Whatever you eat on Easter, you're going to have a great meal. People be dressed in pastels. It'd be awesome. But you don't need an experience with a holiday. You don't need an experience with the church. You need an experience with Jesus. Mary Magdalene had an experience with Jesus. Risen Savior rises. And the first person, the first person is Mary. And I just love that story because when I look at Mary, Mary Mary gets to experience the resurrected Jesus. Mary... Mary, the person who had this terrible lifestyle, seven demons. I'd be thankful if I was delivered from one. She got delivered from seven. It's a lot of demons. Jesus delivers her. And then she leaves all that she knows, and she follows him. And we find that she's at the foot of the cross. Not only is she at the foot of the cross, but then she's out searching, finding looking for him, the dead man in the tomb. You talk about devotion. And I just want you to see Mary's face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And my hope is that even today, on Easter Sunday, that you could have not a distant encounter with a holiday, not a distant encounter with a church, not a distant encounter with a friend, preacher, Easter egg hunt, but that you would have A present tense, face-to-face, conversation, encounter with Jesus, like Mary did. And maybe you see a documentary of a guy saying, God healed my dad. Maybe you see a super cool teenager over here saying, hello, it's another one, you know, tall, cool, like me, just me and Jacob, baby. Like, and you go, okay, screamy preacher. You know, singy, singy kid. Katie's up there twirling around. Good singer. Nice video. But you want to talk about the power of God. And that's just for, that's just for some confused church people. That's just for some people that are a little bit off. I just want to invite you today to lean in to the word of God. I invite you to lean in to the presence of God. I want to invite you to lean into the truth of the resurrection. I want to invite you to go on a journey, on your own journey, 
to discover God's power, God at work. And sometimes when you lean in close instead of staying at a distance, often it's people that are so far at a distance, it just seems so crazy. But when you lean in, I believe like Mary encountered Jesus, Jesus wants to encounter you. I was thinking of it this way. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I was uh, the guy that uh, went like obnoxiously crazy cheering for our high school football team. And so uh, <laughs> thank you for that laugh. Thanks, Josh. I love you too. Um, Josh and I are close. He knows that's probably true. Uh, and so there's 25 kids in my high school. And unfortunately, I didn't make the team. Um, could have maybe been kicker, but um, that didn't work out. And, uh, but I was the guy that literally took off the shirt, you know, painted uh, the P for Putnam City North. And then I would turn around to the entire student section and just scream, let's go. We're the Fighting Panthers from Putnam North. Threats and Cardinal Red and Gold. Come on. And I'd get him to say, just like I do now. We're the Fighting Panthers from Putnam North. Courage, brave, and bold. Our scholars are prepared to take. Nathan's like, please stop. To take all honors. Our teams will fight to win. And hail, Renata's going, David, please. This is embarrassing. Hail, fight. Hail, win. Hail, the victory. We're the Panthers from Putnam North. Like, I would scream that. And I said, yeah, thank you so much. This is my first laugh. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, and then I was the guy that would be like, all right, let's run on the field, baby. Let's go. And it didn't have to be that we had an undefeated season. It was just that we beat the high school down the road one time, baby. And it was worth taking your shirt off and going crazy. Right? I knew the players. It's my high school, my season, my friends, my time. Many of you... If you were just leaning in, not distant, I look now, that, that school, they could win the state championship, and it would show up in no way on my radar because I'm so distant. Maybe even if I saw it on a website, I might, hmm, cool. I mean, I might get a like on Facebook, but that would be it. Certainly no shirt off screaming, what's up now, baby, chanting to the school down the road, like none of that. Because I'm so distant, I just don't care. One of the ways that the enemy tries to get you disconnected from God is to get you so distant, so cynical, so bitter, that you just, you just don't care. In fact, I was thinking about how often many people have walked away from the power of God because of one weird person in their life, or one weird church, or one weird small group, or a season of weird people. Here's what I dream about. What I dream about is for you to have a personal resolution. Paul said in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. In fact, the way that Eugene Peterson put it in the message is, and to experience the power of his resurrection. What would happen if you didn't experience a holiday what would happen if you didn't experience church? What would happen if you experienced the power of God? What would happen if that same power, what it says in Romans 8, same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? It's the way Paul prays it in Ephesians 1. He prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open that you might know the power for those who believe. Paul prays it in Romans, in Ephesians, Paul says it in Philippians 3, God desires 
for you to know the power of God. And when you're living in power land and you see God healed my dad, God set me free. God just healed so-and-so. That person just experienced a miracle. He just saved so-and-so. You're ripping your shirt off, run on the field. Oh, what's up, baby? Jesus is at work. And you might have the personality of a quiet, methodical, left-brained, you're screaming with tears in your eyes. Pow. My God heals. My God touched me. And I was almost dead on a bed with COVID. Lungs not working. Can't breathe for 25 days. But now, it doesn't matter. You know, my dad has um, a significant amount of theological education. <laughs> More than his son. <laughs> you know my dad's favorite story to tell? Pick me up, turn me around, set my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the savior. I thank God. And when it's more, just a, more than just a cynical argument, and you've wrestled with the word of God, and you've seen God work in power, you, like Mary, you go, I'm leaving everything. I'm going to follow him to the foot of the cross. Even look for him, the dead man that I know is who he said he was in the tomb. And Jesus has this encounter with Mary. Mary experienced Jesus setting her free. I mean, healing. Think about, think about that moment of seven demons coming out. I just think that, I think that there's so many of us, if you read the statistics about the addictions that exist in our culture today, the amount of sin, addiction, pain, rage, pornography, anger, bitterness, fear, <clears throat> disappointment, gossip, slander, online rage that exists in this room. What happens if we go, I want freedom? And Jesus. If you were Mary and Jesus had literally just set you free from seven demons and you were different, your life was different. You no longer had those things that once controlled you, controlling. Imagine if greed no longer controlled you. Imagine if fear was no longer your master. Imagine if lust was no, no longer the driving force in your life. You'd be like, I'll follow him to the cross. I'll follow him to the grave. I'll follow him. I want the power of his resurrection alive inside of me. I've seen it. And my dream is that people today who are just, just, just distant, maybe not even mocking, maybe not even cynical, just distant, leaning close and just believe that the same Jesus who set Mary free can set you free. That the power of God is alive and at work today. I was thinking, I was thinking. So 2001, uh, Renata and I got married in 2000. And in 2001, I went to Europe and went with some other pastors. And we were doing these, um, these youth rallies across Germany. And so we did one in Berlin. And then we were in um, Frankfurt, 
and then we were in Dresden, Germany. And so we had a, a, a window of time like, uh, where we didn't have a night youth conference rally. And so uh, me and a couple of the guys, we decided that we were going to take a train into Prague, Czech Republic. And, uh, and so um, I was the oldest of the group uh, that decided to do that, and, uh, which was scary <laughs> um, because it was the blind leading the blind. And um, so I, <laughs> I just thought of it. I was like, hey, like we're here. We, let's, instead of sitting in the cafe, let's just let's, let's go see Prague. And so um, we, we took off that morning. And when we got there, uh, I, was, I didn't know the language. I didn't really know what I was doing. And um, I didn't do the ticketing system correct to where I didn't get my ticket punched to where uh, like the security guard came up to me and said, um, hey, you're going to have to pay this massive fee because you are riding this train illegally. And I'm like, no, I paid. And he's like in a different language. No, you didn't. And we're having a fight. In, in different languages, so it's, I'm going to lose. And, um, and then, um, I, I don't know where I get this, but um, there was just this, I, I've told you before, I'm extremely frugal. There was this side of me that was a little bit of frugal, a little bit of godless, where I just was like refusing to just pay this fine. And so I kind of dug my heels in, and I was like, I already paid it. I'm not going to pay twice. I've already paid. And uh, I had these two dudes with me. One was uh, from California. The other was from Texas. And they were like, they were like 21. I was like 24. So I was like, you know, like the leader. And I'm supposed to be leading them towards Jesus. And I'm red faced yelling at a security guard in Czech Republic. And and uh, and then and then lo and behold, two other policemen come up. And um, I'll never forget. This guy's name was Joel. Uh, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, hey, David, is this worth going to a Prague jail over? <laughs> and I thought, hmm, phone call to Renata. What's up, babe? I'm preaching the gospel in Europe. I'm currently in jail because I wouldn't pay a fee. Uh, so I just, in nothing but sheer, like, ungodless rage, paid and uh, went back to Dresden and just started telling those guys how much I hate Prague. <laughs> and... Uh, so then, like, about five or six years ago, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he was talking about how one of the most enjoyable cities for him to ever visit that he loves, his favorite city, is to go to Prague. And I looked at him, and I said, oh, that's the worst city in the world. And he said, what? And I said, oh, I hate Prague. I loathe Prague. I'll never go to Prague. Prague's awful. And he goes, brother, you don't understand Prague. And I said, I got hosed in Prague. I hate Prague. And my entire opinion of Prague was off of one day, one experience. Long story. Many of us do the same thing with the power of God. You got one person that you thought was Looney Tune. You got one, one dynamic, one way for you to say, I'm going to cynically take seven steps back. I will embrace a belief system that doesn't cause me to have to believe in the power of God. I want to invite you to this. You need the power of God to walk the Christian life. And the Christian life is the supernatural work of God at, inside of you. God at work. And absent of the power of God, it will become easy for you to just walk back and punt on fervent Christianity. You need the supernatural power of God. If Paul prays it in Ephesians 1, if Paul talks about it in Philippians 3, if Paul's talking about it in Romans 8, maybe the best thing you could do is not give up on it, but ask God for it. God, I want your power. I need the power of God at work inside of me. And so you come before him and just say, Holy Spirit, come. 
I need your power. And it's in our culture, easy to walk away from the power of God. Because we have an, an abundance of wealth. We live in uh, an incredible nation where it's easy to have insurance and doctors and health and gyms and food and cars and have electricity, everything to take care of us and to try to prop up as a substitute for dynamic, vertical walking with God and the power of God through us making a difference. In fact, Lifeway Research uh, a number of years ago did a, a search on our generation. So if I know you look at me and say, our generation? Like, which generation are you? Shut up. <laughs> if you're alive. Sometimes my kids, they're like, okay, so my kids tell Renata and I, we're five months apart, and they're like, you guys are, the, you guys are in a different generation. Because, you know, we just get the one where the one's Gen X and one's millennial. They're like, dad, you're Gen X. Mom, you're millennial. We're like, we're five months apart. We're the same generation. Anyway, I'm talking about we're the same generation. Uh, but this, this is this about, uh, did a big study of thousands of people in America in our generation, and it's moralistic therapeutic deism is what we believe about God. I'm going to break down those words. I know those are $5 words, but it's this moralistic, how we see God, moralistic therapeutic deism. And here's the idea. Moralistic is that God wants me to be good. He wants me to be moral. Therapeutic, God wants me to be happy. So study of U.S. Americans, our generation. Therapeutic, God wants me to be happy. Deism, God set up the world and walked away. Not very involved. So if, if that is your view of God, if you have a view of God, of moralistic, therapeutic deism, then you believe God wants me to be good. God wants my happiness. So in other words, God starts to become a means for me to get what I want. Deism, God's not very involved in my life. That's a recipe for not just lethargy, but probably turning your back on the whole thing. Because Jesus, he didn't raise from the dead to make you good. He rose from the dead to make you alive. So we have the life of God in us. So it's not me straining, trying to be a good person. It's Christ dwelling in me, the life of God. I'm no longer dead in ashes. I have the life of God inside of me. And it's not, it's not God wanting my happiness. We take that and make the happiness in the world. It's, it's no, it's God wants me to find my delight in him. So then I can join with Paul and I can go through good days or bad days. I can go through suffering or the Sooners can win it all. You know, you can have whatever and good days and bad days, and I'm okay because my delight, my joy, my happiness is in a person, not in my circumstance. And the opposite, what I'm talking about today of deism, it is a God who is the transcendent God, but he's also so close to intimate friendship. He is the creator, and he is the one that says, I'm going to indwell you. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Let's be close, face to face. Let's do life together. And you get a God that's more of Paul's confession rather than moralistic therapeutic deism, where it's life in God. And no matter what comes, I can get good days or bad. I'm in this. My delight is in God alone, but he's close to me. He's with me always to the very end. 
I know him. And your enjoyment of God, your delight in being the people of God. My dream for you is that you would have, like Mary, just a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. You would experience him. You would experience Jesus. You would experience a miracle, the miracle that you need. And and the other pieces I just want to end with this is Mary's. Mary had to be so overjoyed to experience salvation. I once was lost. The greatest miracle for your life is not physical healing. It's not healing of your emotions. It's not your circumstance getting better. It's that God saved you. In fact, I'm making a documentary about my dad's miracle, but there's a greater miracle than, for my dad than God healing him. It's that his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. And that's my prayer for us, even today, that you'd go, <laughs> I want that miracle. And I think you could hear this and think, these people, these people that are like all in on Jesus, little crazy. They're a little foolish, a little nuts. That's the last 2,000 years. So people that say yes, people walk away. It's just straight up true. In fact, Paul said this. I just want you to see this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So some of you say, they're going to sing songs, celebrate God healing a 75-year-old man. Today at one o'clock, they're going to baptize. Whew. Seems a little crazy. But when you're, when you're living in relationship with Jesus, you're studying his word, you're walking with him, and you just start to see God at work, the power of God all the time. Your whole worldview shifts to where instead of it being about the reality of the way that everybody says the world exists, you're starting to see through a new lens. You're starting to see the power of God at work. And for me, I do not have any problem saying, God healed my dad. God saved my soul. God is saving people all the time. God is healing. Power of God. Baptize another one who's making the public declaration because he changed their life. And many people say foolishness. We say power of God at work. Last story. 2002, I was in Mexico and uh, I was with six guys, six, seven, in the mountains of Mexico. And we're in this little tiny village. It's like a hundred and some billion degrees outside. I mean, it was so hot. Probably a hundred, I don't know. Maybe 60. No, I'm just kidding. It was hot. And, uh, and I'll just, and, and, and they, they served us in this little tiny village. They served us like, honestly, it was the worst soup I've ever had in my life. Um, the, the spices, the, I don't know what animal it was. It was, I was drenched in sweat. Um, and, and I was just, I just thought, this is crazy. Like my buddy who was with me, he had grown up in Mexico as a missionary's kid. And he knew people in the village. He knew the missionary. And he took the same bowl of soup and guzzled it and asked for more. And I looked at him and said, brother, could have taken mine? 
Like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in pain over here. Why, why couldn't you see me? You know? And, I'm, and, and, and he's asking for more, and he's loving this moment. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, this is so dumb. I, I should be air conditioning, like, like fainte iced vanilla latte. I mean, give me some caramel on it. Like, that's, I, 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 I'm suburbia guy. I'm not like, drink this soup. This is crazy. But to the guy who knew the language, knew the people, knew the food, knew what it meant to them, this was a great day. So many of us, if you would take steps, not living at a distance, but take steps and get close, okay? I'll take a step towards God over the course of a journey. Instead of living distant, far, foolish, don't care, you'll get close. And you just might end up being one of the ones that say, sing another song. Mary Magdalene, crazy. You're gonna, you're gonna leave everything and follow the rabbi from Galilee? You're gonna go? He's, he's being crucified. You're gonna follow him to the cross? Like literally at the bottom of the cross, there she is. What, he's dead. You're gonna go take spices and find his tomb? You're nuts. And then she's the one experienced the risen Savior. And I picture saying, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were who you said you were. And I guarantee you there will be a day where we will stand before the throne with every tongue, tribe, and nation, a great multitude that no one can count. And we'll go, he is Jesus, Savior of the world. Will you bow your heads with me? many of you today that you just need to take a step. Your first step, not your only step, but your first step is surrender. And just like the disciples left all to follow, just like Mary Magdalene left her old life to follow, right now in the 21st century, you can leave living as the Lord of your own life and make Jesus your Lord. If you'd like to do that, just say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Be my Lord. Some of you today that, even as I told the story about my dad, you've got an impossible situation in your world. And I want to stand with you in prayer for just a moment. If you wouldn't mind praying, I'd like to pray with you. Father, I lift up every person online and in the room who needs a miracle. We thank you for the greatest miracle, Jesus, the risen Savior. And we ask that in our house, in 2021, that you would do miracles, even today in this room. And I stand with my friends, asking God do a miracle. Rescue that marriage. God, would you cause that prodigal daughter to run home? 
Lord, would you heal? Lord, would you bring restoration to the relationship that seems like it will never be healed? God, do miracles. You're the God that hasn't stopped doing miracles. I stand with my friends today. Believe me. And just like you healed my dad, would you heal? Would you rescue? Would you save? Would you free? Would you restore? Would you deliver? Would you do miracles at Bay New Church? In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.